welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the fishing community since 2003, bringing fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in this newest chapter, the Saltwater Podcast Series. In the Saltwater Podcast Series, we talk to our local guides, captains, friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and get them to share with us their insights on how to catch more fish more often. And however, though, I think the ultimate goal isn't just more fish more often, but just to empower you, get you confidence, to get you spending more time on the water, family and friends more often. Um, this episode is titled Kayak Fishing in the Upper Cape Fear River, in the Upper Cape Fear River. Specifically, we're going to talk about the opportunities launching out of River Road Park. I'm going to be featuring... My Michael Goins, that's not right. Michael Goins, <laughs> off to a great start. So he is a fishing consultant for hook, line, and paddle. A fishing consultant. Yes, I'm kind of scratching my head on that title as well. Perhaps that'll come out in this podcast. I can't imagine it pays well. If it does, I want in. A fishing consultant for hook, line, and paddle. Um, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to talk about first a safety plan. Then we're going to talk about a trip plan. Then we're going to talk about think like a fish. And then Mike, Michael's going to show us five basic rigs. And that's how this episode's going to lay out. Before we get to Michael, though, I want to introduce you, as I do every week, to, our, to my co-host, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. What's going on, Gary? Billy, good to see you again. Man, you just butchered his name. <laughs> I did. And I even practiced. <laughs> I made oh, a point to ask him. Fun, I think man. I almost called him Mike, too, instead of Michael. <laughs> like, I am trying to really muck it up. This guy's going to push the mic over and walk out of here. He's, he's out. <laughs> man, I'm doing good. Gary, how have you been, man? Been I've, been, good? I've been good. Yeah. All right. Good sure. to see. Yeah, sure. All this stuff happening. It's 2020. Sure. It's good. What's it's next? Good. <laughs> I know, man. I'm the same way. Same way. Oh, man. What do we got next, man? It's been a little while since I've seen you. Let's talk about our sponsors, shall we? Let's. We got Marine Warehouse. Got a little message from them, so I'm going to play that, and I'll be right back. At Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats. We have parts. We have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have it. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. Boom, there we go, Gary. Another great video. Another great video. I, I, <laughs> never mind. I was going to say something, but I'm going I'm to let that one settle for a while. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a free boat. <laughs> no? No. Man, you have to no. be tenacious. I know, right? I gotta, you have to be. It's too old, man. I beat that one down. Well, you know what I'd like to do? I know. Let's hear it. I'd like to introduce you to the people behind Marine Warehouse Center. Yes, we're huge fans. Love Marine Warehouse Center, whether it's used boats, news boats, sales, service, parts. We love them. We love Absolutely, the people, yeah. too. And so that's what I think we wanted to do in the podcast and this sort of chapter of the podcast is introduce our podcast viewers and listeners yeah. more to the people behind Marine Warehouse Center. And I'm going to bring up someone I've talked about before, Lil Stovall. All right. All right. You got to go easy. I really, I'm a big fan of Lil. Marketing guru. Yes. Well, if you're a big fan, we're going to see how much you know about Lil because I actually have a quiz for you. <laughs> 
So one of these statements is true. Is she on Wikipedia? <laughs> one of these statements about Liz, marketing guru at Lil, Marine Warehouse Center. Lil, yeah, Lil. What'd I say? Liz. Oh, boy. That was the first joke. <laughs> Lil A lived in Puerto Rico for nine years and speaks fluent Spanish. Okay. B Lil lived in Germany Four years speaks fluent German. Okay. Those are the two. There's Those not two options. Yes. I know it's A because I've had this conversation with her. You know why? Because I know Lil. Ah. Perfect. Can't catch me, Gary. I can't. Can't catch me yet. I wanted you to win. I wasn't rooting against that was, you. That was a pretty recent conversation, too, so I'm glad you asked that question. Because you would have forgot. Because I would have forgotten a couple more weeks. I would have been, she would have been German. <laughs> <laughs> Show me a fish oh, photo. Here we go. Fish photo right here. We have Frank, Frankie Cook from Leland, North Carolina with a 27-inch citation flounder uh, cotton released on a voodoo shrimp near Southport while fishing on the low tide. Or fishing the low tide. That's in, that's in the quotation, so... Name that, of the boat. That's the name of the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I was I didn't read that the first time the correct way. We're gonna guess so. that's a low John boat. And so he has played on the name. Oh my See god. That? Putting it together for huh? me, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm here. <laughs> I messed up names, <laughs> but I got but low John boat down. You're decoding John boat names. I like it. I like it. All right. And Billy, as a reminder, when I'm finished talking with Michael, I'm mm. not even gonna say his last name again. When I'm finished talking <laughs> to Michael Michael Goins. Goins. I'm coming to you for Billy's best takeaway at the end. All right. The best piece of information you think you gleaned from Michael's sharing right. of knowledge. I'm excited, man. Let's All get right. to it. So here we go. Hello to Michael Goins. 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 You got it. A fishing consultant for hook, line, and paddle. Hook, line, and paddle kayak shop here in Wilmington. Huge fans. Before we cover this week's episode, kayak fishing in the upper Cape Fear River, specifically River Road Park, where we talk about a safety plan, a trip plan, think like a fish, and maybe we don't do five rigs, maybe we just do rigs, because you sort of looked at me when I said five specific rigs. <laughs> Please tell our viewers, our listeners, why they should stay tuned, why they should listen to you talk about kayak fishing. Well, I've spent many an hour sitting in a kayak not catching fish. All right. <laughs> and that taught me to get smarter. <laughs> and after you spend enough hours, you can figure things out. Um, and seriously, I did spend a lot of time fishing that was non-productive. And over the years, I've developed some techniques. And I've consistently fished two or three different areas here in the lower or, or in the Cape Fear region. And it, it's just really relaxing and it, to, to fish, uh, but more importantly, get out there and enjoy it. It's not about how, many bi how big a fish or how many you caught. Go out there and enjoy. Uh, fish for the joy of fishing. Uh, learn to stalk them and learn how to find them. Make observations every time you go out. Uh, look for the bait. Look how the grass is lines are look for where the grass is growing bigger look where the bait how the bait's moving all right we're gonna get to your content <laughs> we can't have you share too much right now <laughs> because we need to talk for 30 or so minutes about all the stuff you just mentioned but this is going to be good i'm looking forward to it there are benefits to kayak fishing i mean i'm looking forward to getting in this conversation however as you know before we get to that, we have two questions 
a feature here on the show. These are two non-related fishing questions. So, you know, me being the clever person, I think I am. I said, all right, Michael is an eye doctor. So I'm going to ask you two questions where the answer begins with the letter I. This could be trouble. You see how there's no connection there to the eye doctor? <laughs> see how I set that up and took a hard left turn? These answers. I could say I see that. Oh, boy. Oh. oh. <laughs> All right. The answer begins with the letter I. What name is given to a triangle with two sides of equal length? Isosceles. He didn't even have to think about oh, it. I mean, smart guy. Billy didn't even understand the question, and you answered it. Where am I at? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second question. The answer begins with an I. The first line of the novel, Moby Dick, is call me... Ishmael. Blank. Ishmael, he got no, it. I was going to say, call me crazy. Call me crazy. <laughs> That's a country song, I believe. Hey, that d completes our warm-up. That completes our housekeeping. I'm sure everyone watching is wanting to get into the meat of this matter. So start us off, man. And this is, I think, a good place to start, a safety plan. Tell me what comes to mind when you think of a safety plan fishing the Cape Fear River. When I think of a safety plan, I always tell my wife where I'm going. All right. Um, and I specifically say the launch site. Um, she knows I might fish for an hour. I might fish five or six hours. Uh, I have three or four friends that could generally tell you where I was based upon the launch site. Okay. Uh, because it's important to know if you don't come home and your cell phone goes into the water and is not working, uh, somebody needs to come find you and get you out. Particularly over in the Upper Cape Fear River, there's not a lot of people. Uh, there's not a lot, of, a lot of access to walk out, uh, say, like it, there is in the intercoastal waterway. Uh, you always need to have your PFD own, not own the boat, but or, or own the kayak, but own you. Uh, you always need a whistle, and you always need a light. Those are Coast Guard regulations, I believe. Uh, and, you know, just look at your gear and make sure you have everything you need. Uh, look at the weather. Uh, look at the weather channel or whichever weather app you like. Look at the weather radar. Study that a little bit and make sure the weather conditions are going to be good. I know I wanted to go today, but we've had all these thunderstorms, and you just can't... You can't, you can't be there. Uh, I know we had uh, two fellows that were chainsawing a week and a half ago, and one, but two of them died from a lightning strike. So lightning does occur. So mm. I follow everything we're saying there. And so I, this goes pretty seamlessly into the next one when you're making a trip plan. So again, we're talking about the upper Cape Fear River. And again, I like the speci specificity of River Road Park. So we're talking more summer, like even nailing it down to like right now in our summer months or, you know, end of the summer months. You mentioned here weather, wind, tide and temps, both air temp and water temp. So what goes into the plan? Like, what do you what do you like when you're going to River Road Park? What do you what do you ideally look for? I'd like for the wind to be low. Uh, the nice part about River Road Park is you can tuck in behind Keg Island and block the west wind. You can go north and sometimes block the southern wind. Uh, if it's blowing out of the northeast really bad, uh, you can tuck over there and hide behind Shark Tooth Island. 
So in terms of wind, you can find you a place that generally is, is acceptable. Um, I like to fish the where the tide is going up and when it's coming down. Uh, so I like low, low, uh, I like, I like lots of water. Uh, I like that bait in the grass and I like it coming out of the grass. Uh, when we talk about the temperature, uh, in kayaking, there's the magic hundred, hundred degree rule. Think about what the water temperature is and the air temperature. If it's under a hundred degrees, you need to think about why you need to go there. Um, I fish pretty much year round now. Uh, I have more gear in terms of dry pants, so I can wear fish in the winter. Uh, when I'm fishing River Road Park though, I would think I would be fishing there from early March through mid-December. There's uh, typically the time. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of bait and fish that come through there year round. Uh, I think there's fish there to be found even in January, February, if you pick your day right. Uh, again, tide, you want to look at, is it a high, a really big tide, a five, over five foot tide? Well, you want to look at, is, it, is there going to be a negative tide at low tide? Because particularly coming in at River Road Park, uh, if you're at a negative tide, you can find yourself pulling your kayak in muck to get to the landing, which is not particularly fun uh, over there. Uh, so think, think, think in terms of let the tide work for you in terms of look at your wind, figure out which way it's going and what the prediction is of how it's going to twist and turn around. Uh, let the tide pull you up the river or down the river. A lot of times I'll go out and make a left and let the tide pull me down the river uh, on Keg Island or I will uh, start out and go right and let the river pull me up along the New Hanover side. Uh, let, let the river work for you. You don't have to do as much work. Uh, originally I started out in a paddle paddling kayak now I have a pedal kayak had some shoulder issues and paddling was more difficult and when you can pedal you can have a little more hands-free and throw the lure and control that a little more uh, I like to work about 8 to 10 feet off the uh, bank 12 15 somewhere in that neighborhood uh, but think in terms of let the river work for you you don't have to work against it um, and, and, but be aware that if the storm's coming up the river, you need to find a way to get home. Um, because when those storms start up the river, they can get nasty. I remember being on Shark Tooth Island one time, uh, and it, it got the thunder and lightning, and it was nasty weather. And that river can turn real choppy and journey real fast. So I think when we were sort of setting up this show, we were talking about, while there's multiple species we could talk about, we figured narrowing it down to a couple would be more productive for you know the, the constraints of one episode. And so we talked about doing flounder and red drum since there's a lot of cohabitation there. You've been targeting a red drum, but flounder's getting ready to open. It'll probably be open by the time, that, it will be open by the time this podcast comes out. 
So you are now at River Road Park, and you are headed out for targeting Flounder Red Drum. Um, before we get to the gear, talk to me about like a strategy plan, like how you would target, you know, what you would do first. Like what's your first order of business? You're paddling out there. Give me a little bit more about the river working for you and, and areas you're going to target. Number one, I'm going to get my net free. Uh, you need When you're kayaking, you need to have your net free because you can't believe how many nice fish are lo lost when the, the uh, fisherman can't get his net free to scoop that fish in the boat. All right. Uh, sounds stupid, but when you're paddling out there, you, you, you just got to have that net ready to go because you don't know when you're going to catch that 28-inch lifetime flounder doormat or that I know... One of my friends swore he had a 34-inch fish out there. I don't know. He's an older guy. <laughs> and it's my brother. I talked to my brother on the way over here. He says, now, you be sure not to lie because he, I know fishermen don't lie about anything. But anyway, we'll move on about my brother um, and lies. But uh, uh, he just uh, calls his brother a liar? I think so. All right. Um, He'd call me one too. That's okay. Um, the uh, I'm gonna make sure I ha I usually fish five rods. I take five 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 rods, rods. five oh, rods and reels. I look like a porcupine going out there. <laughs> Folks are amazed with how much stuff I have in a small kind of space. But I, I typically uh, I want to make sure I have adequate bait. I like to use uh, finger mullet and mud minnows that I catch on my dock. Uh, also, I like to use some gulp product. Uh, I like to think through, do I have my telephone? Is the telephone charged? Do I have my little bit of gear? Do I have uh, some water or Gatorade to drink? Do I have a little snack? Because there's not a whole lot of... Uh, vendors out there on the river stopping by to feed you uh, and you look at the size of me and know I need to be fed often but nonetheless uh, I want if I'm particularly targeting reds I'm thinking about popping cork uh, thrown over in the grass uh, I, I can't say enough of watching Lee Parsons one time yank reds out of the grass and I finally came to the, the startling realization that oh I need to be over there in that grass fishing. Uh, I particularly like at River Road to target flounder. Uh, there's a tremendous number of huge flounder over there. Uh, you can get an 18 to 21 inch flounder pretty easy. Uh, again, I'm, I like to use live bait. Uh, I like to use uh, bottom rigs, drag those. I like to throw a gulp over beside the grass and let it drop. Uh, in terms of if I'm, and, and flounder like to be in the grass. And, and I know I was looking at a, a picture that you had in, in this uh, uh, room and it has the flounder over in the grass. And it's so true that flounder are in the grass and a lot of people don't want to admit that. Um, and as you're edging along in your kayak, watch where the bait blows up because that's telling you there might be a flounder under that. So talk to me about terrain. Like, are we, are you, we're in the Cape Fear River. It's expansive. 
and almost everything to me looks potentially fishy. Like I'm always amazed at how you figure out your spots because almost everything looks like it could hold a fish. So walk me through some terrain. Are we talking about grass lines? Are we talking about points? Are we talking about creeks, creek mouths? All the above. I'm a lazy boy. I like to let the river work for me. I like for it to drag me down. I like to throw my uh, uh, gulp bait about every three to four feet at that grass line. If there's a little narrow opening in the reeds, I like to throw there. Uh, I know I was over there one day and I kept, all of a sudden I heard this, like it sounded like a drain. And I'm going, there's no drain out here in this, in this area. And then it dawned on me, oh, that's a little plateau in, in the terrain or over there in the marsh and that water's seeping off first. And I've caught two doormats over in that area. And again, it's subtle looking at, at what's available to you. Um, if, like I said, if there's a little opening, throw at that opening. If there's a little, a bigger opening, throw in there, throw a little past that opening into it. Um, if there's loose grass rather than a tight grass line, take that popping cork, throw in there. Now use a short leader on that popping cork uh, so that the line doesn't get wrapped around the grass as much because what are you going to lose? A finger bullet? I've got a couple dozen of those I'm taking. And the beauty of the river is, uh, particularly up there, you may only get two or three bites, but there are two or three fish that you want to take home. Um, you don't have to worry about the little um, bait stealers, the little pinfish and trash fish messing with you. Um, now, some days you go out there and you've just had a good day in the sun and you enjoy it. And other days you can go out there and maybe catch three or four reds in, in, in your limit and flounder. Uh, there's other species out there. I know I hooked into a old 26 inch or so ladyfish, which was very exciting in terms of seeing it jump. But going back to technique uh, of what I'm looking for if I'm floundering, I'm looking for those little gaps in the reeds or the little points, and I'll pitch beside it, let it dry, chunk, 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 and if nothing's happened in three or four feet, reel it in, pitch it again, and just let the tide take you along, put your bottom rigs out back, drag them. If it's a flat, calm day, throw your popping cork behind you as a sucker rig, because once in a while you'll all of a sudden hear that thing go off and you might have a nice bluefish or, or who knows what, what'll strike out there. All right, so from what I'm hearing, you are not anchoring up. You are basically always drifting? Pretty much. I, I drift a lot if I'm chasing flounder. Okay. If I'm trying to catch reds, I'm looking for looser grass where the tide's up into it. And I'm going to throw a couple bottom rigs out and a couple of, pop, couple of popping corks, and I'll anchor up there. Um, in the kayak, I use a stick-it pin, which is just a shaft, uh, and it stabilizes you. Uh, I do have a story about how uh, I was in about five or six foot of water and I had a five or six foot stick it pin. I went to stick it in and I was on puff mud 
and I kept sticking, I kept sticking, and you know what happened? I flipped over. <laughs> now the folks. Over, I was going to guess that. <laughs> uh, the folks over on the pier there at River Road, they had a good laugh at it. Uh, but uh, it's the only time I've fallen out of a kayak, and again, it was operator era. Uh, I subsequently bought me about a seven and a half to eight foot. Ben <laughs> and I carry when I go to the river. I do learn things. All right, and that's the reason you need to listen because I've done some of the stupid things and so, and I, and I've learned from. So I want to get this visual because before when you said you brought five rods, I imagine it's like when I'd bring five rods. Why I'm bringing five rods on a boat, not a kayak, is because I don't really want to tie knots out there. I just want to have stuff at the ready so that I'm not tying rot, retying rigs or tying rigs. But what I'm hearing from you is that's not even really it, that you're, even though you're one person on a kayak, you're fishing multiple rods pretty much consistently. And yeah, if I, I heard you correctly, so if you're doing a standard drift down a grass line, then you'll have at least two rods out behind you, and then you'll be actively casting one. Correct. And that's if the wind's blowing. Now, if I have, if the wind's not blowing and it's flat, I'll have a popping cork thrown way back. What's way back? Mm, far as I can throw. All right. And then the the two rods you're dragging, how far back are they? They could be 15 to 20 feet. Same distance, or you you stagger those? I stagger them. Um, and it's really surprising. Sometimes you can swing around a point. And that those rigs will swing in the in the uh, current, and when when those bottom rigs go off, I automatically stop, deal with that, turn around, and go back and fish that area because you found where there's something nice that the fish want there or bait. And so you're let's let's extend this. So you're drifting down a grass line. You've got two, maybe three rods behind, depending on the wind. And you're actively casting what, like a gulp bait. Is that what mm -hmm. you said? And you're mm -hmm. working that. So you're down this grass line and then this grass line comes to a point. How do you treat that point differently than you've been treating just draft drifting down a, a straightaway for the most part, straightaway grass line? Well, a lot of that grass weaves and, and, and out, it was particularly beside Keg Island that grass line meanders around a lot. And if you go north at River Road, it meanders around a good bit. But if I'm fishing a point, then I'm gonna stake out and throw uh, the bait towards the point and let it drift. Um, the nice part in the kayak is you can stake out and let throw, say, a popping cork. Stake out means the stick it pin? Yes. And you can throw that popping cork and let that popping cork just glide right down uh, beside the grass. Uh, because in the river, you may have a doormat sitting in four or five inches of water. And the beauty of a kayak is you can be in 12 inches and not really be messing anything up. Uh, and you can, if you, if say, if you're in a little deeper water and you've got a red, and it takes off into the grass, you can go over and snatch him out of the grass. You don't have to worry about your line spooling up around the grass and, and breaking the line off with that red. Um, to focus on gear a little bit more, I mean, we're, we're working our way to rigs, but how are you keeping your bait? What's your bait system? I typically have uh, 
you know, the yellow and white little bucket with okay. mud medicine in it. And You're just dragging bucket, that. And I've got on the side of the kayak. Um, I use a lot of uh, cut bait, uh, fresh mullet. I have a, a good friend of mine who knits mullet, and he's ever so generous to share. And I will fillet that out and chunk it up, salt it down, freeze it, put it in little snack bags. Uh, there's nothing out there that doesn't like a fresh piece of cut mullet. Uh, and I can't talk enough about cut mullet because uh, trout like it. A lot of people look at me and shake their head and go, you've caught trout on cut mullet? Oh, yes. Uh, a, a, a nice red, he loves cut mullet. He, uh, it's just like candy. Uh, he, he, can't, he can't get enough of it. It's like a, it's like a good chocolate bar, in Billy. <laughs> Let's pick them. Oh, oh. I, I haven't had sugar in uh, eight days, boys. <laughs> and fishermen don't lie either. <laughs> so oh, let let me uh, switch over. You know, drifting primarily for the red drum. You will anchor up for the red. So, in your opinion, if I'm anchoring up to target a zone for the red drum. What's that primary habitat? If I said, Michael, send me to one, give me one description of one terrain to really produce more red drum for you in the Cape Fear River, what does that look like? When you are drifting along, look for loose grass. Um, loose grass meaning just spread, sporadic grass, spread out grass? Spread out with the water around it. Okay. Um, you don't want tight reeds. You want the little grass stuff. Uh, and just, you know, if you happen to have a point, that's even better because the bait will sweep around that. Um, always think about how that fish is going to sit in terms of, I feel that fish are going to sit facing the water coming to them because they want that bait coming to them. Okay. Um, fish are kind of like humans. They want to lay on the couch and have somebody bring them the uh, uh, popcorn and the beer uh, or whatever you want to drink. <laughs> uh, chocolate bars. Uh, <laughs> this is on, becoming a trendy topic. <laughs> I like to pick on Billy. Uh, um, but I think those fish like to get on the fringes. Of, of where that ripple's coming through. Um, it's very instructive to go pre-fishing area at low tide and figure out where the little oyster bars are and where the little humps are because those fish like to sit at some little crevice so they can come up, eat, and drop back down. Uh, that's why I'll emphasize on the grass lines when you're drifting by if there's a three or four inch little slit and there's a little, I mean, it's just a little slit, throw right there because there may be a nice flounder sitting under there because he's waiting for the sushi bar to come, come and eat. All right. Um, so as we're getting organized for the show, and I know you've touched on some of this already, maybe all of it, but I like the talking point, think like a fish. What else can you say about thinking like a fish as you're coming up with your fishing plan? Well, I, I started fishing out of uh, Trails Inn, and, and I spent a lot of time fishing out there. And then I drifted over to the river because there's a, 
two or three hour tide differential and sometimes you're trying to play one tide or the other tide and the, and the wind can be different between the two those two different sites but you, you, I mean it's like a flounder he wants to hide behind a pilot okay um, and think about how the grain of the tide is moving um, I know one time I was uh, about to run out of water out at River Road and I just hurled this lure over there and out of nowhere this gigantic flounder came out of the water and grabbed at it. He didn't get it unfortunately but uh, it taught me the lesson that those flounder can lay in very shallow water as well as deep water. Now around Shark's Tooth Island there's a really deep uh, channel that goes through there, and you'd fish it totally different in terms of you're gonna have to use a Carolina rig and more weight and get it to the bottom there. Um, so you'd have some very different habitat to fish over at River Road. That uh, deeper channel, like how, how deep we talking? 12, 15 feet. 12, 15 feet. So for you kayak fishing out of River Road Park, like that's gonna be more on the deeper end of anything that you target and most of you, what you target is going to be what? Less than three feet? Less than three two feet, feet? Three feet. Less than three feet. Yeah, three, four feet. At high tide. Um, tell me a little bit more about the rigs that you use. Um, there's a couple rigs that I particularly like. I've gotten into the habit of using this pool, pool noodle. And uh, because I can tie rigs and put them in here and then get them out. And hopefully I'm not going to impale myself with the hook. But this is one of those things I thought about and started using this year. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, it's a little half ounce Banks channel or Banks uh, weight. How's he get? How's he doing on the camera, Billy? Yeah, maybe we just pick it up a little bit. There you go. Uh, and I use a loop knot at the bottom. I snail the hook. Well, I start off by stelling the hook in the middle of the rig. Then I put the loop knot on the end, and then I put the uh, uh, swivel there. Uh, and I'll put cut bait or finger mullet, mudmen on that, and just drag it. Uh, and I think the loop knot at the end allows it a little more action. So if it's stuck in an oyster rock, you got a greater chance of yanking it out. Uh, and I've, I'll have a pool noodle of these rigs so that I can I don't spend any time playing with is that, that is that fluoro or is it just mono and what Still size 20 pound uh, vanish fluorocarbon is what I use you know what kind of hook that is on there just oh, for people love specifics it is a eagle call l042 2 all so other than the ability for that not to get caught in an oyster rock what do you like about that rig uh, it's cheap to make, it's easy to make, and it catches fish. Uh, and it keeps the bait lively and in the kind of where I'm wanting to fish, down at the bottom. Live bait or cut bait on this? Flounder or red drum on this? Trout too. Trout too. More flounder or more red drum on this rig? I've caught all of them on it. Okay. I've caught all of them. Uh, this is my drag bag. Okay, one of, of your drag. Uh, I mean, I, this is my favorite drag bag. 
in terms of just dragging it behind. And since it's not tended, it's important to have a rig that's not going to tend to get caught up. I mean, any rig will, but tend not to get caught up because you are not tending and it's a drag bait and you're trying to ignore it until the drag pulls. Exactly. Okay. And there's nothing as exciting in hearing that, that click, click, click. I mean, it's, I guess that's why the little, the kids play video games. I happen to like to hear that clicker on the, on the rod. Um, the other rig, if I'm going to sort of sit still, yeah. uh, and I'm particularly looking for flounder, this is the rig that I like the best there. Uh, it's a small three-way swivel All right. with, again, the, uh, I've hooked the microphone, uh, with the half ounce on it, and we got little mr mullet floating around live mullet live mullet he's got nowhere to go he can't go but that far or that far or around throw that over in the grass or right beside the grass and you know stake out that's when i do will put my stick at pin in throw a couple of those over beside the grass play with the popping cork so you're entertained um Get on Facebook, uh, do a, a Cape Fear Fishing Report. I'm notorious about doing those on my page. Uh, it's a tongue-in-cheek uh, uh, report, uh, followed by certain cult people, but we, we won't go there. So that's not much weight on either of those rigs. Is that for demo purposes, or is that the size weight you're often dragging behind the kayak? That's all I ever drag. You don't need more than that to keep it down? Even when that tide's cranking in the river. Well, again, you're only fishing in two, three, four foot water. Now, if I was over in that sluice beside uh, Shark Tooth Island, where it's a lot deeper, yeah, I'm going to put on a half ounce or so. Uh, I'll put on a more weight. But I'm usually over in the shallows. And the water does rip sometimes, uh, but... That's all I find adequate. Now, the one tip I will give you is when you're out there and you see a container ship, it's your friend. All right. Uh, particularly if you're fishing behind Keg Island, you want to get all your bottom rigs out. As that boat comes by, that water starts to suck away, and you'll almost always catch a flounder. Uh, Mr. Flanders is uh, going, ooh, there's something going on. Uh, and the water's doing something funny. I better get me a bite here. I uh, better have me a little snack before I, I don't know what's going on. And I can't tell you how many, I mean, if I see a container ship going, I'll stake out and get my bottom rigs. Now, All right. uh, sometimes you will get, do the helicopter and you'll spend 15 minutes undoing rigs, but hey, that's part of it. Got to have patience if you're fishing. Uh, but I really do love uh, the container ships going by. I think they're a plus. Okay. Um, so these are a couple of your drag rigs or just stick it rigs. And you got, you know, basically you're just throwing out a gulp bait on a jig head. Uh, I particularly like. I would prefer to have a white with a chartreuse tail. Why? Uh, Arlen Ash, when he was at 
Texas tackle put me on that, and it's been a it's been just a killer bait for me over in the river. Um, I can't find any of those, so I'm switching to the uh, uh, shrimp because that's what I got right now. Okay. And I like a longer shank uh, lead head, uh, longer, a, a longer. Why? Because the fish that you want to get, they're going to inhale that. Uh, when you throw it over beside that grass and you chunk it a time or two, if you feel something that sort of bounces, it's a smaller flounder. Uh, it's something you may want to see, and it's okay to catch, but it's not the big one. The big one is going to inhale that bait, and you're going to catch it down in the gills, or it's going to already be in its gut. Uh, and those are the ones that you want. Uh, and that's why I like just flipping it over there and you want to get right at the edge of the grass, not, and again, I'm talking about a solid grass line there. If it's loose grass, go ahead and flip it in there a little bit and snap it up. Uh, make some noise with that bait. That flounder wants, uh, those bigger flounder will it just chunk. Uh, and sometimes they'll fight and give you a wonderful fight and that's why i'll preach have that net ready uh, because you want to keep that flounder in the water you don't want to get him on the surface and you don't want you want to dip him from the head if possible um, and you want to you want to have a basket net in terms of something that's got some bulk to it because you're only going to catch you know for me four or five really totally nice flounders, uh, particularly since we're only going to have six weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, in past years, I've fished over there basically from June through, oh, early November for flounder and done real well. Um, we've had the moratorium last year and then a couple of years of uh, the hurricanes just destroyed everything in terms of push fresh water down and that the flounder just weren't there gotcha. um i mean when when my friend who nets mullet tells you he's catching carp below uh snow's cut because of the storm you know there's a lot of fresh water out there hmm. um but it, i can't tell you how wonderful a fishery you have available at your fingertips and Although the pier out at River Road has been closed because of storm damage, the landing is still there. Um, there's actually two public restaurant re or restrooms at the uh, front of that park. So it's very user-friendly. Um, and if you don't want to fish, you can run over to Shark Tooth Island and hang out over there and hunt for shark tooth. Um, so it's it, it's it's great fishery over there. So I'm anticipating that we've got some people watching, listening to this podcast that are just getting started in kayak fishing. You know, certainly there's probably some more seasoned, and whether you're reiterating or you know giving a different angle, that's great. But I'm I want to focus more on that beginner person now. Again, you seem to be an ambassador of kayak fishing and fishing in general. So. We're getting towards the end of the show. So for that beginning kayaker who's saying, I am going to River Road Park, walk him through, him or her through, like you're going to head out and you're going to go left or right. And where are you going to go? Just you're not giving away any secrets here, I don't think. 
it, it, give them confidence that they have a plan. Then once they go out there, they can play the conditions, but give them a plan. I, if I was brand new, I'd go out and go to the right. Um, and you're going to weave around a, a dock, not too far up. And then you go, go, go around a point. Yep. And then there's a whole bunch of little bays and creeks all the way up there until you get up to Mott's. I believe it's Mott's Creek up there. Uh, and just work that grass line. Okay. Uh, or you can go straight across, start at that point on Keg Island, and drift around the, to the point, and then drift all the way. There's three or four more creeks until you get to the end of Keg Island. All of those are readily accessible. Uh, but again, be observant. Look for where the grass is higher or greener, and that's why I fish kind of year-round. Uh, I make mental notes in the spring about, okay, the grass started getting greener at this spot versus 500 yards okay. away, or uh, it's, it's growing out here. There's something better happening there than, than the other parts. Uh, pay attention when you are, when you do stake out, is it a puff mud bottom or is it a sandy bottom or is it a rocky bottom? And don't think that those flounder won't sit on rock, they will. Um, and sometimes I'll go over to Shark Tooth and fish the hard rock over there, on, particularly on the south, south side over there. Um, but there, there's fishable area. I've never been over there, even if there are 15 or 20 people you can see fishing, that I don't feel, I do not feel crowded over there at all. Uh, you universally can launch without waiting. Uh, there's certainly, that launch site is not set up for boats. Uh, although once in a while you'll have a flat bottom boat come in or out, but it's a great place for a kayaker, even if you just want to go kayak. Um, and it's a great place if you if you want to take family along because the kids can play in the water, particularly on the uh, one side of Shark Tooth, very safely. It's a nice sandy beach. Uh, and if uh, you want to fish, you can go in all the directions. Uh, there's great fishing area if you check cross over the shipping channel and you, you can fish Campbell Island back there. Um, I would advise you taking a friend over there just because there's nothing over there. You're crossing the shipping channel. That sounds a little intimidating. Well, I can remember the first time I ever, I, I bought a kayak and I was going out trails in and it was first week in June it was about 6 a.m. It was dead quiet, nobody around. And the first thing I heard behind me was this, <laughs> and I saw these waves. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it <laughs> happened on the other side of me. And I'm going, oh, I'm gone. And then the next thing I know, I could have put my finger in the blowhole of a porpoise right beside me and went, oh, okay. <laughs> but it did scare me. Uh, <laughs> And, and that's the joy of fishing. You never know what you're going to see. Uh, and it's observation. Uh, I grew up in the Piedmont, and I learned to fish with my grandfather in his farm pond. And uh, freshwater pond fishing, it's not too much observation. You just throw it out there, and it happens or it doesn't. Whereas saltwater fishing, you have to stalk them. You have to look at where the bait is, 
how the bait's moving. Uh, you have to think about the how much rain it has happened, like if in the Piedmont, like you've had some storm system and it's dumped a bunch of rain, well, it's going to flush the bait further down the river. Um, so you may want to go down to uh, Carolina Beach State Park and put out lower or go down to Fort Fisher and fish that area. Um, but it, you have a great opportunity of fishing in this area. Mike, this is great. Man, this is just what we wanted. I think this worked out great. Um, kayak fishing the upper Cape Fear River with a specific emphasis on River Road Park and talking about safety plan, trip plan, you know, think like a fish, just the habitat and, the, you know, the technique, the strategy, and then a couple of rigs. I mean, I, I appreciate it. And, and I think that last bit about telling some people specifically where to go, you know, people hesitate to do that. I appreciate you doing it. And I, th I think the people who are watching, listen, will appreciate it. And there'll certainly be some people taking you up on that. Well, if you see a fat boy in a light blue kayak, it's me out there. All right. The, uh, the uh, fishing consultant for hook, line, and paddle. Billy? Fishing consultant. I love that title, man. I think he should, I think he should give up that eye doctor stuff. There's no future yeah. in eye doctor. I think no. if he really threw himself at this fishing consultant yes. business, it would play out. A lot more, a lot more people fishing than have eyes. He's putting a ceiling on his future by <laughs> yeah. doing too much time with his eye doctor stuff. He's a doctor. Gary, people already ask me, aren't you retired? <laughs> and I go, no, I actually do work three days a week. <laughs> Billy, this is the That's time awesome. I come to you. Well, I... I for Billy's best takeaway. Oh, man, my best takeaway. Let me think about it. I'm I'm still into these rigs, man. I, I think I just shared with you of before the show, a previous episode, I went out and tried a rig. Didn't do any good, but... That's not their fault. It's mine. That's your fault. Uh, so yeah, I like that. I like that three-way, uh, three-way swivel rig. I've never seen that before. So it's kind of interesting to put that mullet on there and let it, kind of like a dog on a leash, I guess. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'll have to try that one out. I haven't seen. I've never seen that before. I think my biggest takeaway is he mentioned Arlen Ash and Texas Tackle in the same sentence. Man, I, don't, I didn't know you good. were allowed to do that That's anymore. <laughs> I, I think the blowback from that. I, this. I hope we don't get become a victim of cancel culture. <laughs> I love everybody. I like all my friends in the fishing world. Oh, man. That's funny, dude. That is good stuff. Well, speaking of watching and listening, I'm going to go ahead and show you guys this slide if you are watching right now. And if you're listening, uh, these are all the places you can find our podcasts on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. You can watch it on there. And then uh, Google Podcasts, which Google's making some changes. So if you don't see us on there, we will be back at it as quick as we can. We just got to figure out some tech stuff with those guys. They're changing their platform. Um, and yeah, man, we really just a great show, Gary. It was a lot, learned a lot of stuff. We did, man. It sounds stuff. easy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty. It sounds easy. Now just get out there. And he's not joking about the difference between the paddling and then the pedaling. Like I, I used to paddle kayak and then I got on my friend's Hobie pedal kayak and I was like, Wow, what have I been doing? <laughs> Did you go with five rods? I mean, no, I went with no. one. <laughs> I didn't catch any fish either, so. <laughs> well, Billy, until next time. That's good, man. Thanks once again, Marine Warehouse, for, for being with us, being our sponsor of the show. Next time, everyone. <laughs>